may be witnessing the beginning of an era that will mean the complete annihilation of man. Oh, we got plenty of time. It's been a week. <laughs> What's, why does the word intimacy bother you? <laughs> Can we start the podcast there? Please hit record right now. I already did. I'm eating my rice cake. It's because I'm a second child and I never had in- intimacy. I so that, that word with, with who? Well, I mean, you know, your parents. It's love. I've never had love. God, I'm going to start bust out crying here. So. <laughs> He said he doesn't like the word intimacy and he doesn't like protection. <laughs> so what, what about protection? Where does, where does that one stem from? Mm, I don't know. That's just the per- is that more of a protection. Thing? It's like it makes me think of condoms. I like condoms. so Because it's against the intimacy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm already struggling with my intimacy problems. That, that's, that might be an oxymoron. I'm already have like triggers here already. Damn, yeah. We're not even 36 minutes podcast. I've been shooting blanks for years now. Well, I have too. That's what I'm saying. It seems like waste of <laughs> Jason just likes them. <laughs> I like the way they so count. those words bothered you. Uh, do you have any favorite words? <laughs> we should tell people that, that Rob is eating a rice cake right now. So Again, just like la- if you didn't listen to last week, it's care. worse. They don't care. We talked about... Um, I'm having a protein shake and rice cakes. Yeah. <laughs> Chocolate <that>. rice cakes. <laughs> now remember, just to clarify, apple cinnamon rice cakes are for gay people. <laughs> Chocolate rice cakes are not. But can gay people have them? Oh, I've, I'm fine with that. Okay. I'm not against the gays. Okay. So here's the question. Okay, is this, what was it? What are they we drinking? What they want as long as they leave me alone. I'm fine with the gays. Hey, what are we drinking here? I got some uh, great friends. Whistle pig. Ron said whistle pig. Okay, is this whistle pig supposed to be heated to a temperature of 180 <laughs> degrees or what? Because holy shit. I think like it was sitting light. by the light. <laughs> yeah. The light bulb warmed it up. I think it's like being purified or something. Holy crap. Nothing like some hot whiskey after a hard workout. <laughs> yeah. I just put my hand on the ball. It's like hot. <laughs> I thought it was just me. <laughs> is this like frat? Initiation, like a huge <laughs> drink, like hot stuff. Um, what episode is, is this? Episode 10. Double digits. Oh, double digits. Wow. I think we should actually. If only I'll, we had I'll double toast, digit followers. I'll toast a rice cake to that. That's <laughs> double digits. Hey, man. Oh, there's, I just dropped my rice cake. Okay. One episode for every single follower we have. <laughs> so when we get Including to, us four. When we get to 230, we should have 230. Followers, doesn't uh, no, like it crazy. I can't hear Houston at all. Are we going? Are we going to make well, it to two hundred thirty episodes? That's a lot of weeks. Lot, yeah, yeah. Hey, hey, where did, when did I get here? Oh, I don't know if we're going to be alive at that point. No. I still can't hear Houston. Can you hear it? I can hear one, one, one. one. Okay, there he is. Okay. Hello, hello. hello. Well, um, Caleb, Caleb is back, ladies and gentlemen. He's, He's been be actually back. in the wilderness for forty days and forty nights. <laughs> Praying and fasting, seeking the Lord, men's seeking conference. the Lord, uh, and he found a men's conference when he was out there. <laughs> so he took over. With he just stood up there with a with a staff and led the men's conference across the wilderness to the promised land. Did you get to look in and see it? No. Well, with the name, you get to go in. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah you're right. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> I just, just remember my own, wow. my own biblical name. Yeah. Wait a second. I get to go into the promised land. Hang on. So tell us about your journey through the wilderness. Well, my journey in the wilderness included uh, helping clean out a uh, large house that I have in Atlanta because we just were closing on it right now. So we had to move everything. So I hated being away from you guys and stuff. But, <laughs> well, listen. It's, speaking of Atlanta, I, speaking of Atlanta, why is America not mentioned in the Bible? Well, you know, I'd have to say because it wasn't founded at that point. 
Oh, yeah, but you would think with you know all that prophetic stuff and with how we play such a major part, you think he might have foretold of the days of the Americas. Man, what's funny is is you saying that like literally there are people that genuinely will like make stances on Facebook, social media, different things, and they're like they they put America's importance at like top tier when it comes to biblical anything, and it's so funny because they would literally make a statement like that, like I wonder why Jesus didn't mention America as great as this place is. You know, I'm like, are you an idiot? Like that is, but that is like genuine comments that without even joking that you get from the, some crazy charismatic people sometimes which is just i mean it's a mixture of the i guess they they're hardcore patriots maybe but at the same time they just think that oh we're, we're so important as americans we, we become very self-centered as americans listen i love this country more than any other country in the whole world but at the same time i realize that the world keeps on spinning if we get nuked you know what i mean so now now question I've said that to girls before when I was with them. So is that just because you're in America right now? If you were in France, would you say, oh, I love France better than anybody? Is that just because proximity? Well, I mean, maybe. That's what I'm saying. I mean, I have a love for America because it's it's the patriotic love of this is where I was born and raised. And mm. I think it's a great country because of the values and the, the system that we have, the freedoms that we have. At the same time, yeah, maybe I'd say that same thing if I was born and raised in France. You're a little bit jonesing for, for uh, Belize, but secretly. Yeah, you know, actually, my favorite country is Brazil. But mm-hmm. Ooh, because of the bikini girls, right? Brazilian waxes. It's <laughs> why Brazil is my favorite. Well, a friend country. of mine will do that down the street here. <laughs> Does is he established or is she? He just a, oh, I'll yeah. say. I was yeah. Oh, is that Desiree behind the convenience mm, store? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> You know, that reminds me. It may not be wax. She makes you wear a mask. I don't like that. That reminded me of a story of when I was in when I was in school in college and my roommate had I I walked into our apartment and I see him on like this massage table and there's a lady just giving him this deep tissue massage and I'm like, what's going on in my apartment right now? I mean, she's got the you know, she's digging in on this guy. Throwing the elbows and I, in there. And I'm like, hey. And she just looks at me in the face like, oh, I didn't know you had a roommate. Like, this could have got way more awkward. <laughs> and my roommate just looks at me and says, oh, I didn't know you'd be back so soon. I got a masseuse. My back was feeling pretty bad. And I was like, no, no, no. The first comment you made to me, I didn't know you'd be back that soon. I was questioning so many things that were happening. <laughs> well, that set the stage. I mean, obviously. Yeah. So. R- right. And so. I mean, Code for. Why are you interrupting me? <laughs> right. I, I, should, I should have walked right back out the door, but I was tired. I was going yeah. to bed. Anyways, yeah, that just reminded me. Desiree behind the convenience store mm. reminded me yeah. of that story. Of just some, <laughs> I never thought I'd walk in and just have somebody getting a massage in my house. But Desiree's Brazilian wax and deep issue butter Coffee massages. shop. <laughs> <laughs> we also sell cocoa butter. <laughs> no, she doesn't do like coffee colonics with the empty coffee from the convenience store right if your if your cash is good <laughs> you put any request you you want so there's been a lot of crazy stuff happening in the news recently Ooh, why are you making this what? serious all of a sudden what happened well so i'm gonna give a precursor to this because i and i normally don't want to say things or whatever but i don't want this to be taken in a way that it, it could be taken in a way that I, I genuinely don't want it to be. So was he telling um, me how to take things now? Chrissy Chrissy Legend, I guess Legend mm. is her last name. Does she keep another last name besides John Legend's last name? Only I guess it's Chrissy. Is that Tegan? Tegan? Right? Chrissy, Chrissy Tegan. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So Chrissy Tegan um, just recently had 
uh, a miscarriage from what it looks like on I saw on Snapchat and I was just looking through the news feeds on there it says John Legend dedicates his performance to his wife recovering from miscarriage and they've got some emotional photos and things like that so in, in no way am I you know saying oh she had a miscarriage and I'm not trying to diminish if it's an actual miscarriage or not but I know that we've mentioned on this show before with conspiracies including her mm-hmm. about um, whether that be you know satanic cultism whatever or a fake pregnancy um, or fake, fake if, or if she was ever pregnant at all she, yeah so that's what I was going to bring up to you guys is that was she ever even pregnant or was there genuinely a baby that could have horribly been involved mm-hmm. in one of these like crazy underground you know cultish things like I just saw that and immediately that was the first thing that my mind went to, went to because of all the crazy yeah. conspiracy stuff I know with that fan, with the legends and everything else and I'm like oh man I really hope that either one she didn't actually have a kid or two that I mean as bad as it sounds to say that it was a genuine miscarriage and that it's not being used for something mm-hmm. that's like yeah. even darker yeah maybe parts her yeah well my my wife claims that she can walk through uh, her Instagram feed and pick apart her pregnancy from like months ago all the way up to now based on photographs saying she was pregnant saying she was this many weeks pregnant or this many months pregnant hmm? I was just looking at Jason going <laughs> you looked right at me in the eye. No, I don't. It's that inter- intimacy thing. <laughs> your wife, your wife she was going through the social yeah, media. Anyway, feed. yeah, she 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 thinks the whole thing was bullshit, and it was just a smokescreen to take the attention off of her, since everybody found out that she's a freaking satanic, you know, blood drinking pedophile. So there you go. All right, so let's say she was pregnant, for the sake of argument, and she did have a miscarriage, which is horrible and sad. I think few of us in the room had in our relationships that happen don't wish it on anybody but aren't you also a little thankful to that that kid's not having to be born into that craziness if uh, that yeah i mean yeah. it's like 100%. it's a blessing <laughs> in a weird sick right. sort of way that'd be a, a, yeah. a surefire example of god's mercy right yeah there. Ugh. yeah because i mean it if all those things the conspiracies and whatever else yeah i mean imagine being a kid being raised by mm, that yeah. in all kinds of secrecy and, and weirdness and whatever so anyways I saw that on my and you're not even raised in the sense where you're aware that it's not natural and normal and not traumatic it's this is your normal right if so you then you got, no point, yeah. you, you got no point of reference yeah next topic <laughs> hey have you watched any of the uh, senate confirmation hearings What's hilarious <laughs> she is a Jedi mm-hmm She's a Jedi Knight. She's a real Jedi. I'm convinced. She's fantastic. Have you have you watched any of this? Uh, just a few little Have you seen the part where she holds up the blank notepad? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Brilliant. Have you seen... Is this not totally backfiring on the Democrats right now? And there seems to be. They yeah. haven't... Well, first of all, you know, they're, they're trying to catch her and stuff. But none of it has been intelligent. None of it has been well thought out. It's just... Eighth grade little attack after eighth grade little attack, and she hammers them on everyone. She's got a look on her face like, do you expect me to actually take that question seriously, you dumb piece of shit? And then she moves on. She's absolutely a freaking Jedi. And even people on the left are saying, just go ahead and vote. This, this is, well, this some is are, over. Some are even apologizing yeah, for, it's, for it's, the attacks. It's ridiculous. Cory Booker, uh, do you want to go on record and say that you're against white supremacy? 
seriously that adopted two african-american kids yeah she needs to proclaim that are you serious i mean this is the one i saw was so crazy was um when they were trying to bash her for saying sexual preference did you see that that, that was a yeah that was a term that was um outdated and offensive <laughs> because <laughs> she used the term sexual preference instead of um the lady who was bashing her was saying, "Oh um, no, it's it's a, it's not a choice." Yeah. It's, so the, the word preference means that that you you make a choice, and it's not really a choice. I was like, hmm? seriously, that's all I, you got out everything she said. That's what you got out of it. I mean, not well, even. Well, I would still take task with it being a choice. Man, I don't. I mean, I could choose to have a homosexual relationship. I choose not to. Right. That's what I'm saying. Um, now I'm. Predisposed to be heterosexual, so it's genetically it was chosen for me at some level because I think there's a genetic component and epigenetic mm-hmm. epigenetic component. So at some point it's chosen, yeah. and then I choose to agree with it and continue with it. But you still and make a choice, to I, and then I could choose to deviate from it right. and choose to you know. So it's yeah, it's it can be fluid per person. How is it not a choice? It's just, I mean, I, I, that was grasping it strong. Yeah, now I, now I do get the concept that you could have someone born who identifies. I get the concept of I was born physically male, but I identify more female. It's a psychological mental thing. I'm not even saying it's a broken thing. It's just it's a psychological process. And you might choose to have transgender surgery, which doesn't necessarily mean that you now are gay. I mean, that those things don't have to be coupled together. Right. But that's still you a choice. You mean I can't go to my surgeon and ask to be made gay? Not that I'm aware <laughs> of. Think, yeah. No, you could, well, you could bypass the whole process and just choose to be I don't think they can do gay. that with a surgeon. Yeah, I don't think a surgeon can do that. <laughs> now, uh, now, this, now, this happened to me this week. What about like uh, only eating apple cinnamon rice cakes? Yes. That to you. Yeah, that'll yeah. do it. Guys. Yes. This week... Uh, so I've been watching Schitt's Creek mm-hmm, on right. Netflix. So the six-year-old, we have, air quotes, cuddle time before she goes to bed. That's a requirement or she won't go to bed because she runs the household. So we're sitting there and I'm watching this and she comes in and goes, cuddle time. Well, I was just going to finish the show. Well, there's a couple of scenes where the son gets a boyfriend yeah. and kisses. Not overly passionate, but just like a kiss. And so she looks up and normally I don't she doesn't watch this stuff with me but the show's going off and then she's gonna choose and I just don't worry about it and I wasn't knowing there's a kissing scene coming up but you know okay she's seen this before Mm -hmm. you know and she turns to me and says which one's the girl in the relationship because she recognizes it's two men right which one's the girl so neither well no there has to be a girl no they're both male they both identify as men they just choose to be with other men but one of them's got to be the girl and she couldn't get past that I said, well no it's a little early for us to have this let's just say no there's not a requirement that one has to be effeminate or female or anything like that and she kind of just looks at me like okay whatever crazy old guy <laughs> and then it caused me to think that in the let's say the friends and acquaintances i have and i i have friends you name a spectrum i've got a friend and some category and I try to maintain being open mind you do your thing I'll do mine with that I started thinking back of how many times I've ran situations where a heterosexual friend of mine would see me with two of my gay friends who were in a relationship and he would say which one's the girl in the relationship 
And I'm now I'm going, well, wait a minute. This is a 35-year-old guy asking me about a gay couple and which one's the girl. I'm like, oh, he's got the mind of a six-year-old. Mm-hmm. Because it becomes like an emotional, it's sort of like an IQ. You got right. an EQ, an emotional quotient as well that you can't process. Or, because we're so forced in growing up to have these labels that you must conform to this. And it just was somewhat enlightening that you can have that very somewhat immature, underdeveloped, not bashing it, yeah. but you just haven't been exposed to it to understand that, yes, this can actually happen whether you choose to agree with it or not. Yeah. Neither has to be the girl. Still going on. Yeah. yeah. And just if you've got two women in a relationship, one doesn't have to be the man. They can, you know, it's, that's how it works. And whether you agree with it or not, it's I think a lot that. of that comes from, you know, when you, when you do see, sometimes there are, there are in relationship, um, you know, two lesbians or two gay guys that, you know, one of them is more feminine than the mm-hmm. other. And, you know, even, but there are cases where, I guess, what is that called? Lipstick lesbians, where they say, you know, the two girls are both very, very feminine. You know, mm-hmm. one's yeah. not overly butch or whatever. Yeah. And same thing with guys. So I, I see that, but I think people just automatically see that and, and jump and assume. Yes. So. Or you've got to somehow fit this into your approved model. Mm-hmm. Enforce it. Well, everybody fits everything in their, you know, in the boxes in yes. their mind. They, yeah, yeah, yeah. Compartmentalize yeah. everything. So that becomes a challenge. So watch this. Hey, Caleb, is being gay wrong? <laughs> oh. <laughs> now we're getting somewhere. I just woke up. <laughs> uh, yeah. Is it a sin? 100% yes. So, uh, I mean, so, there's nowhere in the Bible that can defend it not being a sin. Um, at the same time, that doesn't mean that. I hate gay people or that because immediately when you say that people yeah. jump on oh my god he hates the gays and yeah. that's that's not my stance at so all so is that a minor doctrine is that a minor do- no I would say that that's not a minor doctrine I would say that that is it, sins don't go fall into minor doctrine which is what is I mean you can you can try to say that a sin is a minor doctrine but sin sin is sin no matter what way you push it again so when I say homosexuality is a sin, it's a sin just as in any other sin in the Bible as well. So Now you're going to say adultery is a sin. Well, it is. Oh, <laughs> I've been doing all this wrong. <laughs> so, um, yeah, and it's un- it's unfortunate that the, the way that the world is now that you have a lot of um, people who would, who would speak on a subject like that and they'd say, you know, they, they really try to candy coat it. And I'm never going to candy, you guys know me, I'm never going to candy coat anything with anybody. It's, you know... It, it's a sin. You you can't show me anywhere else where it's not. But at the same time, that doesn't mean that I'm not hanging. I mean, I have gay friends that mm-hmm. I hang out mm-hmm. and do stuff with, and they know my stance on their yeah. homosexuality, sure. and I still <laughs> go out to eat with them. Different thing, you know what I mean? So it's. I think that Christians have a hard time sometimes with, or even a lot of times with anybody that's living a lifestyle that's outside of what they're called to do as a believer, and. If that's what that person wants to live, then I that's what you want to live. That's the choice that you've made. I'm not going to make your choices for you. That's not my job to do that. Mm-hmm. So it's your job to live your life and, and be who you want to be. No. Am I going am I going to encourage my beliefs? Of course that's what I'm I'm called mm-hmm. to do in the Bible. But at the same time, if I know it's going over your head and you're not hearing it anymore, just like with friends that I have that are uh, homosexuals, that are gays, wh- whatever else, um, I talk to them about it, they know where I stand. That was mm. it. I've said my piece on whatever. But you can so, still be friends. 100%. Still you can respect still, each other. Right. Yeah. Still respect yeah. each other. And that's a, those guys are actually who I probably have my best 
conversations with when it comes to politics as well because they're on a whole whole different you know side of the spectrum mm-hmm. as me as well with politics where they're hardcore liberal I'm more conservative and so we have great talks with each other without yelling at each other without getting all upset because you're you're never called <laughs> to not be friends with somebody just because they're living a lifestyle that you don't necessarily agree with so, okay so if I take and I'm gonna go back two or three episodes. Um, I can't remember exactly how you phrased it, but if somebody, I think Rob asked the question, is cursing foul language a sin? Mm-hmm. And part of your retort was, well, if you're compelled to feel that it's a sin, then that might be something for you to be careful of. Would this right. fall into but, that category? Well, because, because, because cursing is not directly addressed in that kind of way in the Bible. When cursing is addressed, it, it's being addressed as in you're literally wanting to, you know, damn someone to hell. Mm-hmm. You're, you're wanting them to, to be cursed, their family to be cursed. You're wanting ill will upon them. And it's... it's. But we shouldn't judge, which cursing is a subset of judgment. Well, we are also called to judge. Hmm. So in the Bible, we're also called to be judge uh, amongst, but the judgment comes to be amongst those who are other believers. To, to judge that, amongst believers. Or, as is that yourself. more discernment or is that... It's more to see your if you see a brother stumble in a mm-hmm. lifestyle of sin, then you call him out and say, "Hey, man, you know that that's not." And you flog him. You take him out I back mean, and flog you him. Know, am, am I not wrong by saying if I hit my thumb with a hammer and say "fuck," that's completely different than You're I say, going to "Susie, hell. you dirty whore." Yeah, I would say it's. I, I would say that's su- calling so Susie a dirty whore is much worse than dropping. I'm, I'm almost of the opinion that the- if I'm working on my molding this weekend and I clobber my thumb with a hammer and say "fuck," I'm thinking. You know God's got a sense of humor. Mm-hmm. He's probably up there laughing his ass off. He yeah. probably made you hit it, your phone. And the thing, one of the examples I love, like always, uh, in the Christian faith, you have to always go back to how Jesus handled situations in where, yeah, <laughs> Jesus hung out with sinners, but he also told them what they were sinning in. And then he went out to eat with them. Mm-hmm. He said, hey, this is what you're doing. I don't like it. Hey, I'm going to go eat at your house now. Mm-hmm. And they'd be like, oh, oh, okay. And then he'd love on them, whatever. And, and so... As Christians, it's not this we preach down somebody's neck for something. We It's not your job as a Christian to convict someone of anything. The Bible says it's impossible. You can't do that. Only the Holy Spirit can. Well, that's no fun. <laughs> right. But, but, but Because all I got to say is bless their heart, and I'm, I'm forgiven for judging them, right? <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> only south of the equator. Or okay. the uh, the Mason Dixon line. Gotcha. That's, that's yeah, the not, not, right. that's not, not the us. equator. We get into some. <laughs> yeah, like, we can get into on. some wacky shit south of the equator. <laughs> so Jamaica, here we come. So in the, so in the same way, that's as as a believer, there's nothing wrong with. There's a lot of Christians that need to get friends that aren't Christians, 100 mm. oh, yeah. percent, because you need to get out of your circle and understand what you real know. And, life and this is. this brings up a situation. I've been wanting to say this for ten episodes now. Because I think it's important, and I'm not apologizing for my behavior. I say what I, we we warned everybody in episode one. Imagine four guys, workout buddies, all at the bar drinking whiskey, shooting the shit. That's what you're getting. And if you don't like it, then don't don't listen. But at the same time, I you know I made a joke that you know apple cinnamon rice cakes are for gay people. I'm not going to be one of those idiots that say, well, uh, uh, no, I have friends that are gay. Well, you know what I do, and I don't care. Right. I could on on. Let me go on record and say, I don't care if Timmy and Tommy are dating. I don't care if Timmy and Tommy get married. I don't care if Timmy and Tommy get are, are able to 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 have insurance benefits 
on both parts. I, I don't care. In fact, let me really piss some people off and say, I support it. I don't care. It's none of my business. And yes, I do have homosexual friends. And I'm not just waving that out there to excuse anything. I do. And there's some of the best, generous, kindest people I know. And I think it's absolutely horrific when people abuse people because of their homosexuality or their color or, or whatever. I will repeat the comedian Dennis Miller's most famous line in my mind when he said, I judge everybody under one criteria and one criteria only, and that's whether or not you're an asshole. And that's <laughs> what yeah. I believe. Yeah. If you're kind to me, I don't care. And if you're gay, and we can even joke with one another. You know, I can make fun of you being gay, and you can make fun of me being a uh, heterosexual, a, a breeder, whatever. I don't, and, and we will laugh, and 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 it'll be it's hilarious because that's humor, and that's okay. You know, everybody here knows. You know, Melvin, our our, our my good friend, that you know. Wait, Melvin's gay? <laughs> no, <laughs> that's a newsflash. I didn't know that. Oh, he if, does not act gay. If at anybody all. is not gay, it's Melvin. But but you guys all know this, Melvin will make a black joke before anybody else. Oh, the first and Melvin is black, you know, because mm -hmm. he has a sense of humor. And you can actually he, make one back at and him. And you can make it yeah. right back yeah. because he has a sense of humor and he doesn't take himself so freaking seriously. And because he does that, you can turn around and, and he'll call you Cracker and you go, yep. Yeah. <laughs> you just, you we, know. And we laugh our asses off. <laughs> yeah. And then we go hang out. And, you know, Melvin was the best man in my wedding. I mean, he's been one of my dearest friends for you know, longer. I've known Melvin longer than I've known my wife. And, you know, he will, he's always the first one to make fun of other black people, the black community. And then we'll go back and forth and pick and have fun and make jokes. It's like George Carlin, Andrew Dice Clay, Lenny Bruce, Richard Pryor. None of those guys would survive right now in comedy. Oh, no. They would be. In this politically correct cancel culture bunch of fucking idiots. They wouldn't survive because everybody would be so offended. If you're offended by comedy, you should just lean into the strike zone and take one for the home team and kill yourself. You're taking up my oxygen and we need it. Okay. God, these people. Well, I think, I think to Kelp's point, I mean, I understand like you're talking about judging the sin or whatever or, or whatever, but the thing is like people tend to lean toward something that they don't do. So for example, okay. Say you're completely heterosexual. You're going to judge a gay person for some for some reason, um, but you're going to eat 37 ham biscuits at you know Bojangles. But that's a, that's cool. Wow, 37? Yeah. Don't don't talk about Man, that you know, like a don't talk about challenge. Actually, I'm impressed. By <laughs> that sounds like a challenge. Well, right. That's what that's what I'm saying is that at the same time, banking off of what you're saying, it needs to be the full aspect right. of what of what sins are. So you have. In our little southern area that we're in, they're right. going to bank on things like strictly homosexuality, right. different things like that, where I'm saying I want the, I mean, that's why I went to ministry school. I want the full gospel, the full Bible, the whole thing, not just I pick apart the pieces that I like and what I really want it to say because it makes me feel good about myself. But that's human nature. But that's human nature. Yeah. But that's that's like what we're literally warned of in the Bible is, hey, don't just pick this thing apart and, and make it whatever you want it to be. Like it says what it says, right? Now, now that's where I get, for lack of a better word, confused or need more information and I'm not necessarily asking just stating a position uh -huh. so when I look at Leviticus where a lot of this is stated mm -hmm. and those 
sections of the Torah were created as interpretations of the Ten Commandments. So they're put together by Pharisees, Sadducees, etc. Mm-hmm. That, to me, starts to smell of man's law and mm-hmm. interpretation so that you mm-hmm. could say, like, here's the Ten Commandments. God said, these are the ten. If you just do these ten, you're good mm-hmm. in my eyes. Mm-hmm. So follow these ten. And then suddenly you get more and more interpretations. Well, now you can't lay with your wife for seven days after her menstruation cycle finishes, which guess what? That's also like the most fertile time that she is. Mm-hmm. So is that written just so that we can well, beef up so- our population? Or so at what point do you start to say, all right, when is it God inspired? And now faith comes in. Yeah, and I get that. Sure. When's it God inspired? When's it man inspired? When's it political? Because politics been around since day one. Oh yeah. The minute you get two people together, there's politics. So I guess we got to look at Bible history here for that. So number one is that Leviticus isn't just an interpretation of, of the Ten Commandments, but Leviticus was also um, law that was given by, by the Lord to the not only through the prophets and things like that. And and, and how do we know that the prophets were accurate? <laughs> the the Lord even gives a test and he says, if the if you find the prophet to be wrong amongst you, stone him. If, it, if it's not actually me and, and he's saying false words. So, I mean, people weren't just outside saying whatever they wanted to you know, mm-hmm. say for the Lord to speak for him, especially at that time. Um, I call it the wrath period of God. But Leviticus, so here, here's an example. Here's a conversation I had with somebody. They Going back to even homosexuality where they say, well, Leviticus speaks on that. But you said yourself that you don't follow things like women should wear pants in Leviticus, different things. How do you... Um, how do you justify that? And my answer to that is always, I look at what did Jesus and the apostles teach? When Jesus came and, and he met in Paul and they make this statements of the laws that were given to the Israelites at that time were out of the stubbornness of their own heart, that that's what I had to force them mm-hmm. into. And now I'm giving you a new covenant and a new command. And so under that, what is it that Jesus and Paul and the apostles begin to to teach about in the new testament well sometimes they go back to some of those things because they making sure that you remember these are what's important right Mm -hmm. so so there so there's the parts of where like for example jesus's disciples i've talked about this in the podcast go to eat they don't wash their hands the pharisees get upset and says don't you know the law of moses and jesus said don't you know that it's not what goes into a man Mm -hmm. that defiles him but what comes out of his mouth that defiles him? okay so now let me let me take that for and I'm going to go one more notch. Mm-hmm. All right, so law is given, mm-hmm. Ten Commandments. It's modified through prophecy and inspiration, et cetera. I wouldn't to, say to, it's ever modified. Well, well let's say to your words, it's appended. It's evolved because you needed this law at this time. It's like raising a child. Mm-hmm. At three years old, it's mm-hmm. black and white. You do this, you don't do this. Mm-hmm. And then as you get older, we're going to broaden this a little bit because you're growing up, you're able to handle more, you have better understanding, et cetera. Sure. So is it possible that we're now in an age where the law that was applicable then and relative to then, now there's a well, opportunity to append that, it. That would totally take out, because if you, if you, if you start doing that, to the, then the entire validity of the Bible in itself has to be thrown Which out. Which is exactly Jason's argument. Right. Yeah. So, exactly. And so, yeah. And so, and so what I'm saying, so what I'm saying is that it doesn't, it doesn't evolve. It, it, in fact, the Bible says it doesn't change until the perfect comes, which is the second coming of, mm. of the Lord. So it, until then, we're told to to follow what the commands of, the, it says, follow the words of the apostles in Jesus. Mm-hmm. So, 
Um, okay, t- so, so, then, so so to follow that, Ten Commandments are given. Mm-hmm. Christ comes, mm-hmm. fulfills his position to claim the title, mm-hmm. and his message was love thy neighbor. And mm-hmm. if you love thy neighbor, you satisfy the Ten Commandments automatically. Because mm-hmm. if you just do that, just do that one thing, right? So now we so fast in, yeah, forward so, two thousand so years. So in real love, so what I see, so Jesus being the embodiment of the Father, He was real love. And so what what does real love look like? Sometimes, sometimes real love hurts. Mm-hmm. Sometimes real love has to tell you the truth, which hurts even more. Which is what Jesus did all the time. He spoke to people directly. Mm-hmm. Even in the case of the woman that was caught in adultery, He said, "Your sins are forgiven." But sin no more. And if you look in the Greek, yep. it's said as a, a like affirmative command. Like he don't would have been staring this. her dead yeah. in the eyes, like "Don't ever do it again," kind yeah. of thing. Not just like a yeah. "Oh, go along your way." Yeah. But now that ties into how, when I look at the Trinity, or can we agree there's a Trinity? Yeah. Or okay, <laughs> because some people don't. Oh yeah. All right, so oh, yeah. Okay. If you look at Old Testament, you've got God the Father. Mm-hmm. And so he's, and that's the wrath, and you'll do this, and it's me raising my kids. I just beat them every day, because whether they need it or not. You wake up the <laughs> six year old and you punch her in the face. Life's hard, kid. Put it's your clothes on. In the closet. Yeah, from exactly week. from last week. So then you've got the period of Jesus mm-hmm. is almost like a brother coming in with brotherly love, where we refer to each other as my brother and sister right. in God and you know, etc. Mm-hmm. And then the Holy Spirit's left with us, which has a maternal feel. Mm-hmm. So that becomes the one to who me cares for us while he's yeah, gone, right? the, the compassionate piece. Yeah. And so it, at the same time, we have to, even when things in the Old Testament seem like God was harsh or, or whatever, man, there was a lot of things when I was a kid that felt like what my dad did to me was harsh. Mm-hmm. And I felt like, man, you don't, I mean, he there doesn't were times love. where my dad, you don't love me. Why yeah. would you treat would you me do? like that? Yeah. Um, why would you do those things? And now I look at the things that he did when I was younger and he instilled uh, a sense of, being a workman mm-hmm. uh, of getting stuff done and, and really showed me that he did love me in the discipline that he showed me. And in a lot of ways, the Lord was forming Israel to prepare them for the coming of Jesus mm-hmm. to that. You would be a suitable nation for Jesus to even bride, right to bride. And so, which is their ultimate calling. And so, um, in a lot of ways, I, I have to. I look at the Lord in that same way: is that He is the Father, but the Father is the ultimate discipliner as well, and He's the one that He He doesn't. I mean, when your kid does something, that's well, we're we're commanded as men of our household when we're married with children to mm-hmm. that we are symbolically God right. in the household. We're the head of the household. Mm-hmm. We are to assume that position. Whoa, whoa, wait, whoa, whoa. Just yeah. Because I'm going to need to let a particular little <laughs> five foot two brunette know that one. Yeah, I'm just saying. <laughs> but it, it also says, as you're, will, you, will you highlight that in my. Uh, well, now keep New in mind. King, keep New in King mind. James, it I also mean, says that the wife is to run the household. And it also it also says that while you are above your wife, you're to love as Christ loves the church. Mm-hmm. Christ died for the died church for, yeah. so you have to be willing to for for her to have submissive love to you you have you to ha- have sacrificial you love have to go life. to home goods all right never mind i'll just go back to the way okay so, so what i heard was we're all gods and joe olstein needs a rock to the head <laughs> and and a new lamborghini <laughs> well what's what's interesting about that is even when uh so now i'm just going to play the doubles and maybe even confuse you guys because i don't even know if you guys know where this is in scripture but one of the defenses that jesus gives when they, they're saying so you're calling yourself the son of god now and he said didn't i say that you were all gods and mm-hmm. he goes back to the psalms and where he's 
where he literally says, now he's talking about judges that he's placed in the land and that they're pretty much serving the role as a as a figurehead of what God's rule should be like, but he calls them gods and it's translated with little g, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And so Jesus gets out of a sticky situation with the Pharisees when they're saying, well, you're calling yourself the son of God. And he says, haven't I called you all gods? But that's also yeah, ties back to paying to Caesar what is due Caesar. Right. Right. You know, when we're talking about you know, tithing, et cetera. So right. same so, thing. That's an so earthly God. Jesus, right. So Jesus was so... That, honestly, that was that's the craziest thing about Jesus, in my opinion. Whether you believe he was the son of God or not, whether you're a Christian... You can look, anybody can look at the teachings of, of Jesus. I have a buddy who's not a Christian at all, reads the Bible all the time just because, dude, the teachings of Jesus just teach you how to be a good person, you know? <laughs> and looking at Jesus and saying that, man, that was the most submissive dude ever who, who not only in, in his submitted self was able to cause so much controversy, was, I mean, literally his simple statement of when he, when he says the, what we now call the Lord's prayer, his disciples say, teach us how to pray. And he says, pray like this, our father, and immediately closes that gap. That's been there for thousands of years between, we felt like this was some, you have to go wrath, through a priest. Yeah, yeah. This wrath filled God. How can I just come to him? And now Jesus is saying, no, call him a, a father. And well, I think we even, talked about that one day we we're doing chess a couple of weeks ago where we're screaming oh god this is heavy abba, abba which means right, which, which translates to daddy yeah which, which is, is dearest extremely father, yeah. intimate right you know right. to make jason uncomfortable yeah so, so that's what and that's how jesus referred to mostly to the father was he referred to him as abba and then we see from there the apostles later after jesus passes they begin to refer to god as abba in the same way which was a very intimate way it, it was it's like a it's like your little son calling you so now i don't have to go through a priest i don't have to go through somebody who's holding all this knowledge from me right you know confessing my sins i can go directly right which was the symbolism when jesus dies the veil is torn which is where Mm -hmm. the high priest would go and they would pray for the sins of those in the the nation and things and so when jesus dies it says an earthquake happens and the veil is torn and it was a symbolism of him breaking that gap between you and god that you had full access because until then you're you're sin had to be taken on your behalf right into and, that. And, that, and that's the thing too is that so i mean while while i can just say yeah there's all kinds of sins for anything sin is always going to be a serious subject to, to god because it's something that's completely opposite of who he is you're thinking of a being who is 100 percent of every attribute that he embodies because he is the embodiment of those things and anything that is opposite of himself even us as human beings if, if we're talking about a being who is 100 percent love you love your wife and you would hate anybody that came and tried to punch her in the face. If you love, you automatically hate as well. Mm-hmm. Love also has hate. And so why would God himself, who is the embodiment of love, not hate that which opposes what he himself loves? Mm-hmm. Which sin is what opposes us as his children, uh, trying to take us away from him. So, so when, he, when God says, Esau, I hate... Right, Esau, Esau, I hate, but Isaac, I loved. Mm-hmm. And so it was. it's the same way when... We see, we see when God does use those harsh terms of God doesn't say things like I hate. No, He one hundred percent says things that He hates in mm-hmm. in the Bible. Um, again, the Lord's foreknowledge and Him knowing if Esau had you know true repentance, there's always room for repentance with the the Lord to to be able to come to Him. But because He always sees, also 
if he knows that Esau's never really going to truly repent to him, then he can say that he hates him all he wants to because you don't really care about me. Mm. You don't truly, I see what is in your heart. You don't even maybe see what's in your heart at times, but you're talking about the man with see-through vision, God himself who literally can see every single part of you and even your hidden agendas that you might not even know of yourself. Simultaneously. Simultaneously. Seeing everything comprehensively while I see in part, I mean, that's insane. So he, he says he hates things like Bulgarian split squats, stuff like that. Yeah, you know, specifically. I think, he, I think he loves those. Actually. No, he, what, whatever that workout was we did earlier is, is what he really really hates the one where we're like laying upside down like batman <laughs> doing dumbbell presses what was that even called rob death um that, that's a decline press and it's actually pretty cool yeah well i mean no it, not really <laughs> it's cool if you're training to be batman but i i was scared for my life the entire time everybody else is moving up they got like the 100 pound dumbbells i'm sitting back with 55s and like oh my gosh I, i'm gonna fall backwards gonna and hurt die. myself <laughs> I'm glad, glad we transitioned out of that serious conversation of <laughs> well, that's we my, need, so, that's we my need job. Yeah, that's we need something to lighten the mood there for a second because I don't want this to be like a you know I'm not what, trying to make this I want the to theological know, whatever. But what's wrong with that? To finish up uh, churchy stuff, um, I've been to church in North Carolina. I've been to several. I don't belong to a church now. Um, at what point? Because I was looking for it. At what point in the Bible is the three G's now omitted from sin? <laughs> Are the three G's omitted from sin? When did they get omitted? Because I was looking for that. You know, gluttony, well, well, gossip, well, and greed. Even, oh, well, they, they never got omitted, brother. Uh, well, I, I would even if argue. you go to church in North Carolina, all those are perfectly acceptable. But everything right. else is going to doom you to hell. Well, the seven deadly sins, where did those on that list actually come from? I mean, I'm pretty sure that's a Catholic base. Oh yeah, that's a that's, that's 100% a Catholic. There's never anything in the Bible that says here's the seven deadly um, sins that's going to definitely you know you're going to put you in. Yeah. Right. You, you don't watch porn or you can't be gay if you go to church, but you can have extra helpings of macaroni and cheese, <laughs> and right. uh, we mine. can really push hard this Sunday for more in the offering plate because we got to pay for that new overhead we, projector. We found Rob's trigger and the new sign out front, the one that lights up. You know, that's really cool. And uh, it's okay for Sally to talk about Mary because she's a whore and everybody knows this and her kids suck. Right. So let me, now that I've already made the statement that about everything else that's a sin, I'll go ahead and say that gluttony, gossip, and greed are all three sins at the same no, time. No, not, in, not in Southern Baptist churches. They're not. I don't care what their bad theology says. <laughs> sin, sin is always sin and always will My be fat sin. pastor says it's all good. Okay, and so how, how is gluttony a sin? So gluttony in the same way, that is, that is probably one of the hardest ones to think of in our own modern day and time. I would always just put it back to overeating, even my, myself and whatever else that, you know, overeating and making yourself hurt from eating. So gluttony at that time. No, whoa, whoa, whoa. What, whoa, if, you're a, what if you're in a bulking phase, though? Because I hurt from eating all day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but listen, listen to what I'm saying here. You're, I'm, you're not allowed to be finished here. So gluttony. I'm at just that trying time, to keep up, man. Gluttony at that time in the Greek and Roman practice, there was literally. You can look this up. I'm not telling you a lie. The Greeks literally used to do this thing eat called gorging. Yeah, eat till you vomit. And they and they would eat until they threw up. Really? And it was a sign of them being rich and having more money than well, you I can see and that. everything. And so that was literally 
what when they were talking about gluttony, they were talking about you using food as a way to idolize it over those that are less fortunate than you. Yeah. Even in a way, but at the same time, you should have a healthy body and should want to look better. But when gluttony is specifically being spoken of like that, they're talking about back to the Greeks and the Romans who would literally do showcases of their money through food in itself and would gorge themselves to the point of where they would literally go throw up. They would call it, they would force themselves to throw the food back up. I mean, they were some nasty people. I don't, I don't know why you'd even want to do that. But a vomitorium well, right. on every corner instead where of I Starbucks. Where I is like, I've, I've actually sat through a service where they was like, okay, you you shouldn't drink. You shouldn't have a drink of anything. It's uh-huh. bad because you're going to cause someone to stumble, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. It's I mean, an hour of beating you over the head for having a drink. Mm-hmm. And then... And where did they get in well, that service? <laughs> well, I'm just saying, and then... And then Half of the then they go to the fellowship hall after <laughs> yeah, service. Yeah, that? Yeah, they go to the fellowship hall, eat four plates of food, mm-hmm. then walk outside and fire up a cigarette. Yeah, right. But now I don't have a drink or something because that's a vice. Now, which one's worse for your body? Right. And so, like I said, most churches, unfortunately, in the South, have just become social clubs. Right. And that's really what they are. And so, when that's never what the church was meant to be, um, that was never the mission of the church. Just so you could come in, feel good with your friends, or whatever else. Um, but now, then why we would as I, why, why would I go? Because you're commanded to go to worship the Lord, to to grow more in knowledge. Really, the church was a place that believers could come together to be in a community of other believers to then be not not only encouraged by one another, but to learn from what others were learning in the week. To to, to so be we're in church right to, now to help support right to help to help. So is this not technically church then? You can make anything church, brother. I don't have to go walk into a fancy church is, building. Church is wherever the Holy Spirit is. <laughs> Okay, and so, wherever there's so believers, that's, the that's church is not a building itself. The other thing that that irritates me, and I'm guilty of many things, probably more so than most pastors are, I'm sure. But isn't it, if you take a million dollars of the congregation's money and build some monstrosity building with tons of technology and all the b- whistles and bells, mm-hmm. wouldn't it be better to go find? A beat down warehouse that you get on the dirt cheap and put out folding chairs and maybe just enough electricity to get lights and running water yeah and so, then take every other penny and give it to the less fortunate yeah so now we're just talking about like even kingdom finances which my view is always going to be 100 percent the what were the target groups that the apostles were after they said feed the widows and the orphans take care of them make sure that they have places to live to stay and that was the job of the church, not the job of the government at that time. That The church took care of those that were less fortunate. And now it's we leave those things to the government to do. We, we let other people do that for us because we like our own social clubs. We like to, if we give money to the orphanage, how are we going to throw Sister Susie a birthday party? <laughs> and, and that's the silliest thing ever because that was never what was emphasized in the Bible. And that's literally, I, I can't stress those things enough that there's so many things that are, that are twisted with, man, you obviously just don't read your Bible because where did any of what you do matter in the Bible? If Joel Osteen, Benny Hinn, T.D. Jakes, <laughs> all these charlatan evil pieces of shit all collectively took all of their money and pulled it together and all moved into a 1,300 square foot little house and bought a Camry and took all the rest <laughs> of it, they could feed a country Oh yeah, for probably years. Yeah. No, I'll go one step further. If they'll take their budget for their hair products, they can and just TD donate that. They could cover I mean, the homeless in New Hampshire Benny Hinn just for looks, that. He looks like an owl. His hair makes him look like an owl on stage. Yeah, and, and that's what's so sad is that I see these guys that 
you know, they're, they're making all kinds of money off of being ministers and, and whatever else. And I, I don't have a problem with money, but my problem is, is are you rightly stewarding the finances that God's given you? And from what I see on the outside, that doesn't look like it. I mean, how many orphanages are you supporting? How many homeless shelter soup kitchens have you launched and planted hey, besides hey, building? Hey, hey, we do the Lottie house? Moon offering every Christmas. Come on now. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying is that that's what ends up happening. Just like you said, in churches where they'll be like, oh, it's Christmas time, so we're going to donate to a local whatever, or we're going to do like One Salvation time. Army. Once. And I'm like, that's supposed to be the whole mission of the church in itself mm-hmm. is, yeah. to, is to help the community that it's planted in right and so, so now we've spent 45 minutes beating down the church tell us why we shouldn't be you know so why we shouldn't be beating well down i'm just saying we, we've been negative we are honestly, or what does yeah. what does church look like yeah i mean what should so, it look like so what real church in my opinion should look like and people are going to have all kinds of opinions on things and i'm glad you came too we got matt oh right here our special guest matt strickland's here yeah matt strickland's over at the side you need a cup you got a flight today got maple in mine yes. if you don't mind drinking after caleb that's empty <laughs> maybe uh maybe matt can even speak to this a little bit but um the church uh, as far as what it's supposed to look like we look at the the structure of it and it was a temple and home-based community so they still went to the temple with each other to hear teachings from uh the scriptures and just, just turn it up matt yeah i'm just, <laughs> just looking over pull it, right off of it <laughs> um they, so they went to the temple for scriptures, and then they were at home with each other to to worship, to be in community with one another. Because you have to think at that time, when Christians were were first become, they were all that they had. They had no one else, and they were being persecuted by anyone who who didn't have that same belief. And so, I think that the church's design, when Jesus said He loves the church, He's not talking about He loves the building. Jesus is saying that He loves those who believe that make up the church that we are the church mm. if you have the holy spirit dwelling with inside of you then you are part of the church and the makeup of the church so the point of the church is to come together to encourage to um worship to encounter the lord to um really it's just the the, the importance of the church as a believer besides just the basic you're commanded to be with one another i mean jesus asks he he, he puts that as a command to, to be with one another the apostles but the importance of it itself i think is that you you're given accountability with one another again we were talking about judgment we were saying that you know the bible says not to judge but then it also says to judge amongst other believers and things so when i'm outside of the church i can fall into this place of well now i just do whatever i want to because i got nobody to keep me accountable for what i'm doing nobody's mm. ever going to ask me a question about how i'm living my life i can live however but now, i want now, to now i would say that's partial self-commitment and attitude though so for for me and this right. is what I, this is what i tell my 13 year old boy it, when we have conversations like okay you he he's stepped in it pretty heavily this week and we've had several conversations like dude you got to clean this up mm-hmm. and what i describe to him is every morning when i'm getting up i've had my shower brush my teeth i'm getting dressed i've got a chair right beside the bed where i sit socks on pants on boots on when i'm pulling my boots on i'm praying at that point of have a good day need your help mm-hmm. and it's a recommitment to the day at that point to hold myself accountable by saying to God, okay, one, mm-hmm. need to take care of my wife, need to care of myself, my children, somewhat in that order of right. priority. 
if you can't do that for yourself, that's the point of being around others to educate you and show you how to do that. Right. So it's it's to be around others, and then at the same time, I think the others throw that job on their pastors. They throw like mm-hmm. so they throw the job of well, Church, is your job to save me. Yeah, it's it's the pastor's job to save me. It's the pastor's job to teach me everything. It's the pastor's job to, you know, whatever, keep me accountable. The thing is, is that that's, that's never your pastor's job. Um, now, that's a big problem I have with Southern Baptist churches. Mm-hmm. And, and for the most part, organized religion. They end up finding a topic and sticking with it. So Southern Baptist, salvation, salvation, salvation. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm sitting in this church for 20 years saved. Mm-hmm. So... Salvation is considered the milk of the scripture. Mm-hmm. It's like where you start. Right. But you've got to evolve then to the bread, then to the meat of the scripture. Right. So, and, and we're told that the church the church isn't what what we as a Western church have turned church into is almost evangelism services. Mm-hmm. And so it, where it's we're feel, trying to get people good we're trying to get people that come into the church to get saved because we literally don't have evangelists who go out to go get people saved. So anybody that comes in that might not be a believer, okay, like this is our this is our chance. When Paul was talking about Paul said Hey, if on the off chance you have an unbeliever come in, this is how you should conduct yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, But Paul wasn't like, oh, yeah, we're going to have all these unbelievers flooding into the church. That wasn't, like I said, the church's purpose was always just for the gathering of the believers to come to each other because that's what we were commanded to to be in community with each other. But spiritually feed them. Now, that's where I would, Mm -hmm. I'd go to, you know, you go to Sunday school, you do this, you do the usual thing. Oh, Sunday, I got to do the following. And by the time you get to the worship service, and you've gone through the stand and sing, sit and sing, this person special guest sing, this is a stand and sing, you know, you go God, through your I ritual. Hate that. You're, you're, <laughs> you're done. I've chimed in yeah. a little bit here. I hate so that. So you're done shit. with the ritual, and now the the, the little ceremony. I, yeah. I mean, oh the, my the primary God. pastor then stands up, takes his watch off, mm-hmm. and sets it there, so he knows he's got 20 minutes. He better catch because you in 20 the minutes. game starts at yes. one. You got your three point sermon you've got to cover here's the three things i've got to cover and the whole thing it's like i could have just replayed last week you're basically it's a different scripture but it's the same thing you're just trying to save me again dude right i'm saved and jesus christ give me something to eat here unfortunately a lot of your southern baptist preachers like that's what they just constantly yeah like you said they fall into like preaching the same message over and over again i'll I'll push that to a preacher and he's like well that's what sunday school's for i was like then you need to get better sunday school teachers because i'm in here telling them stuff and yeah, I'm supposed it, to be getting fed. The, yeah, the the thing is, is Sunday school is a sorry excuse for discipleship, <laughs> in my opinion. Where discipleship is another key aspect to the church in itself. To where <coughs> that was when you gathered outside of the church setting with other friends that you had or whatever that were believers, and you began to to help like teach each other like the scriptures, and not just we're not relying on this our mm. pastor or our leader just to, to teach us everything but we're growing in the word with one another and so discipleship now is being replaced in a lot of ways with a Sunday school setting where it's still one person telling you mm-hmm. a group of people well, well even <laughs> here's a bunch of stuff and nobody else is putting in any kind of part into what they, they've well, been e- but even the one person it's like Here's the manual for this quarter that we subscribe to. This right. is going to tell me exactly what to read. I've right. put no thought into this in preparation. Now, granted, everybody's busy. They've got full-time jobs. Mm-hmm. And if you're doing Sunday school, it's not a paid thing. You're doing it because you're led to, I would hope. Mm-hmm. I hope it's not a seat of power and you're just there for that. But mm-hmm. probably isn't for some cases. So you're here to do this. But basically, you just you got some dude just sitting up here just reading out of the the mantra of the week that was surprised, you know, 
supply right. to me spoon feed everybody it's like i could you just email this to me i'll it, read it, it myself and ultimately i mean from what we even understand matt you can correct me if you even maybe know some about this but from what i even understand new testament church they were they they were first living in communities with one another because they were all they had but then secondly as far as like their big group gatherings as far as what we kind of call church and stuff that's probably only happening like once a month twice mm. a month Everything else was discipleship and in-home meetings. Okay, could you imagine with one another a Christian gated community? Now, how that would look? Oh yeah, it would it would look insane. But at the at the same time, that's that's was that Waco? Was that Waco? Say David Koresh. I think David Koresh. Yeah, he was Jesus, wasn't he? Jesus. (laughs) And so and so there 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 are a few primary things that that the church did in, in the New Testament. One communion. They gathered together for communion. Two, they gathered together for the community and the gathering of the brethren, which is what we're commanded to come together. They gathered together to, with that communion as well, you could place the breaking of bread with one another. So they had meals with each other because that was considered intimate mm-hmm. to, to eat with one another. You're at a vulnerable point with what, each other. What about whiskey? I mean, whatever. Whatever, whatever you got. I'm just trying as, to cover my bases. Jesus drank wine. As long so. as you're not a whiskey glutton. Sure. As, long, as long as you're not, is, that's just an alcoholic. Yeah, pretty much. As long as it yeah. fits your macros. Rob's, yeah. Yeah. Rob's a high functioning alcoholic. So, um, what what am I missing? What's another key one to their gatherings? Oh, and then and then just worship and teaching and dedicate. It was called dedicating yourself to the scriptures. And so those were their pillars of gathering, and they were commanded to gather and do those things. And so now, you know, communion is this weird. Here's your little. Of wafer cracker and here's your and here's your grape juice and here's your whatever the the thing is is when Jesus is at the Last Supper and he's breaking the bread and he's giving the wine and he says as often as you do this remember me he's not just talking about little wafer cracker cookies he's literally talking about as often as you eat remember me in your heart right if they would just do it with cinnamon rolls. I mean, oh, dude. I'd be more into it. Now, I mean, the reason that we continue to practice a communion right now. <laughs> in, in church like we do instead of doing like a full meal is just because it's easier to do whatever else. And, I mean, we do know that communion is biblical. Paul goes on to say that, you know, dedicate yourself to the breaking of bread and the, the drinking of wine. And it's it, it, so it was for the practice and they would use those moments to remember Jesus. But even I, I interpret what Jesus is saying and I see it as as often as you take a meal Remember the sacrifice that right, I'm getting ready right, to make what, for you. What, watch what I'm about to do, and watch over here. Here's two challenges for everybody in this room with their significant other. Oh, Jason's eyes just got two me. challenges. Whoa, 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 why are you throwing me out of the bus for? What's up with that? Oh, uh, I just want to watch your reaction. Okay. Two challenges with your with your significant other. Have communion one on one with your spouse. Oh, whoa, we're talking about some biblical stuff here. Whoa. And. At a separate time, wash their feet. Man, you want to get oh. intimate and start crying like a couple? Oh, good lord! Sid and I went through a Oof. phase where we were doing that. I need to get back to it. You just look at each other and you're connected immediately. I mean, it's like I'm getting oh, lord, chills. Bless right the now. whipped cream. I, 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 mean, <laughs> I mean, but you gotta think. I mean, like that's our OnlyFans page <laughs> communion. <laughs> And it goes from washing toes to can, sucking can we, toes when you start moving up the leg. We, I know where all this is going. Can we start a... Look at that face. Look at that face right start, there. We're going to start OnlyFans. This is going to be called Washing Feet Co. It's just, oh just going to be different people okay. just washing people's feet. That went down a different path than I thought I was going all together right there. I but, all right. So now think about it. You're married. You've been married for a yeah. while. Oh, yeah. You're yeah. very connected to your wife. Yeah. Could you imagine it's, go- it's uncomfortable 
But at the same time, it feels the connection is so strong that it creates. I mean, the thing, one of my favorite things, again, going back to the submissiveness of Jesus Mm. and how he was so open to to even his disciples, Judas, who's getting ready to betray him that night and even makes the statement (laughs) of one of you is going to betray me. Still washes Judas's feet, mm-hmm. still feeds him. I have a friend who just got a tattoo, and it says Judas ate two. And I looked at it first, and I was like, "Man, that's yeah. a really weird tattoo." Judas ate two, and he said, "Yeah, but I started to realize that in my own life, that in everything that I've done, I'm so thankful that even betrayer Judas ate at the table of Jesus because I realize in my life I'm constantly Judas. We're all to the Judas. Lord. We're, we're all, all Judas. Every, yeah. sing, every oh, single yeah. person. We're always Judas. Well, I would even go as, as far now. Twelve biblically is a is I think that's it, the number of governmental perfection is what that number represents. If I remember right, you could look at any one of them and be one of those disciples because it was the full spectrum, full gamut of from yeah, doubting of Thomas to Judas, to right. a personality type that we all experience. Mm-hmm. And so that's, dude. I thought that tattoo was so powerful. Judas ate too, and I was like, dude, he had me crying. I was like, man, yeah. that's so true that we were all, Ju- we've was all this, been Judas, and we. This all- was at the men's conference. This was at the men's okay, conference. Okay. Yeah, one hundred in the wilderness or like the Atlanta. Real yeah, it was at forty days one. out there. Oh, but <laughs> Matt, do you want to speak to any more of like what the church is, and I mean that the importance of the church itself as a. So the uh, shit. When did you get here? There's a the scripture in the Bible that says that iron sharpens iron, so men, uh, so men sharpens the countenance of his friend. I know that I'm a different person without fellowship with other believers. I'm a different person, um, and it, it's good for me to be around other people that are of like faith. There's there's definitely a lot of things that we could talk about that is not right in the church. I mean, I, I go to church services sometime and I think to myself, Gosh, this is. You know, it's kind of like they seem to follow a formula, and I just want to see the power of God move. I just right. want to see God show up, and I don't think it's going to happen by our formula. You know, this, right. I, it drives me crazy. But uh, the truth is that I'm a better person in the fellowship of other believers than I am without. So through, for, through, for all the flaws that the church has, you know, it, you, you become who you hang out with, right? Successful mm-hmm. people hang out with successful people. Strong Christians hang out with other strong Christians. And that's 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 something that it, 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 it's important. Unfortunately, uh, going back to some of the stuff that you guys were talking about as I entered in, church has become little more than, uh, in a lot of cases, um, a place of business. Country club. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, Rob mentioned earlier about these big churches building huge uh, sanctuaries and stuff, and it drives me crazy. There's a church in Bethlehem that, that burnt down, and it was rebuilt, and it's beautiful, but I'm like, and Jesus tore Jesus tore up a church. This yeah, church right. But it's, business. It, I, you know, but it's just it's, a damn it's, building. It's, it's just a pile of bricks that it, could have fed what, done whatever. And I yeah. Think that no. At the judgment seat, <laughs> Jesus is not going to say, "What a beautiful building." Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's so much more that you could do. Right. I just. You know, you killed a bunch of kids, but you built a really great building. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, the, the Bible says that you cannot serve both God and mammon, and there are. So many people in the church, leaders in the church that are trying to serve God and mammon, and mammon is winning. God convicted me about this uh, a a year or two ago, and uh, because I I just chase after money, I work hard because I want to succeed and do well. But and and then you look at money as your security when God should be your security. And uh, off the tangent a little bit uh, uh, with that, but churches become Babylon. People put their trust in big buildings, big meetings, big. 
uh, programs, uh, and, and that's not what it was intended to be. It was a, intended to be a place that you could come together and let iron sharpen iron, let uh, receive good critiques, and um, and be lifted up in prayer when you need it. And, you know, that's what I'm not sure people be. are being taught how to critique, criticize somebody else in a loving fashion, though. It, it, I, I'm not. There needs to be something there for that because if I see you doing wrong. I should be able to approach you and say, I'm concerned, brother to brother, I'm seeing this, help me understand what you're going through. I'm not perfect, I'm trying to understand and I'm seeing something here that troubles me. I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to get into your personal life, whatever it is. How do you approach that without sounding like the, the ass in the room? I think that too, with, with the, like you said, 100% people in the Christian community struggle with the the helping others if they're struggling in a situation or whatever else because the thing is is they start throwing themselves into it a lot where it's now this critique is turning into well calm down brother let me show you how to be the better christian here and Mm -hmm. let me show instead of actually just living life with that person and helping them out and praying with them in any way that they they need instead it becomes a uh, let me um let me show my spiritual dominance over you yeah and and i'm I'm looking for a mentoring relationship but it's a non-judgmental it's more of a a helpmate type of relationship because we we explored sid and i explored one church it's been several years ago we were getting close to considering joining, and it came down to, well, you've got to go to this introduction to the church and our history and all this, and okay, that's fine, and who they follow as an ultimate you know, pastor at the top level uh, for doctrine. Still Christian, and not, but more independent. And they said, well, when it comes time to join, you have to sign a contract that says <laughs> that we can intervene in your life if we think you're doing something wrong. And I'm going, <laughs> well. You kind of got me there a little bit. That sounds cultish, you know, and I started to get uncomfortable with that. I'm like, I'm good. Never mind. Because I don't need three elders showing up at my doorstep on a Saturday saying, hey, brother, <laughs> let me tell you, you know, you kind of looked at your wife a little odd this week and we want to make sure everything's okay. So, whoa, <laughs> you know. Elder slow. John's getting a broken nose. Yeah. Right <laughs> you know, so. That kind of thing will be in a lot of churches, denominational churches, articles of faith, so to speak. Yeah. This yeah. is, you know, but to answer your question, how is that done and, and done effectively to critique it's through relationship. Mm-hmm. It's through relationship. If you have a great relationship today, at the end of our workout with Rob, I was feeling, hey, I got some more in me. And I was like, Rob, can I do something else? He's like, you don't want to overtrain. I said, well, I feel like I got more. He said, obviously, you didn't work out hard enough then. <laughs> <laughs> That's on you. Well, yeah. he, he said that. It, it all came from a place of love, though. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. But, it's, but it's the relationship. Yeah, yeah, like, okay, I can receive that from Rob. He's not yeah. being a pain, a pain in me. He, we have a relationship. He can mm-hmm. talk to me like yeah. that. And I was yeah. like, you're right. You know, it, to they're, but but I, I hold myself to the same yeah. thing. Yeah, I mean, sure. If if I feel like I'm not completely spent, I beat myself up saying I could have put in more. Mm-hmm. I don't go back and do the workout again. I don't go throw in four or five more sets. And you're not sitting there eating a Wendy's burger saying that to him. No, I'm having a chocolate rice cake because yeah. those are not gay. Okay. <laughs> Gosh. If you put tuna on them. Then it gets a little gay. Okay. okay. <laughs> Chocolate tuna. But, mm. but to be what the church needs to be, it needs to be based in relationships. Mm-hmm. And and we can't do that through this modern way of meeting twice a week. Yeah. You're not you're never going to have a deep level of relationship with the person that you're sitting next to in the pew if you see them twice a week. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. And at yeah. the same time, let me give some critiques from somebody who doesn't go to church that would like to obviously be more involved in my faith and that's a weakness of mine, just like I probably don't drink enough water. Um, 
Contemporary churches is the same thing as normal churches, except they're wearing blue jeans with contemporary music. It's formulaic. Mm -hmm. They're just trying to hip it up. I think it's a scam. Yeah. The other thing is, is I visited two churches, the last two churches I visited. And maybe this is just me, but I don't think it is because I read people, you know? I don't want to go to a church with a thousand people that I've never been to before when I'm just trying to hear someone up on behind on the pulpit teach me something deep and meaningful. Mm-hmm. I don't care about your songs. I don't care about any of the ceremony. I, I, but that but what I'm getting at is is there was a point and the first you've, we've all done this at church. There's that point in the ceremony where now everybody get up and hug your neighbor, introduce yourself, turn around to the people behind yeah. you and say hello. No, I don't want to talk to them. Peace and love with you. I'm me. new here. This is, I, I don't know these people. I will greet you as I'm walking through. If somebody comes up and shakes my hand, I'll say, hey, nice to meet you. But don't put me on the fucking spot. And number two, the worst one was I visited a local church here. And my first time there, me and my wife and my daughter, it wasn't 10 minutes into this thing that they said, okay, um, we're all going to break up in small groups. So look at your pew, and I want you to count down seven people, or maybe eight if you have a larger family. And then I want you to break off into a group. And then I all want you to sit down, hold hands, and pray for one another. Oh, that sounds beautiful and everything, but I did not want to sit there with Chuck and Kathy Peterson, who I've never met in my life, Hold mm-hmm. their freaking hand and start pouring out free. It was all. It was. I, I don't. I wasn't trying to be a jerk, but I said, "I'm sorry, guys. I'm not doing this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is uncomfortable. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm trying well, this." Church. And so again, so I, it goes back to the relationship thing where yeah. when you're doing this, if it was us four or five meeting every single week at, like, in a garage and we're talking and we can talk about yes. more deep things that where we sign can be me up for trans, that sign me up trans. for that that's what original church was is where you have a group of guys that got together or whatever and they came to each other and they went we to the scriptures know, with each other we we're know transparent each other. with one another and you know each other so you're not you don't care if you're opening up to them because right, you're like right. that's my best friend but the thing is he that was all designed to elicit an emotional response that was all uh, oh, and yeah, yeah. oh they got an emotional response oh yeah, yeah. 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 but that's what that's the one mo- they wanted I'll tell you what most of the men in there were like uh, I'm, I'm out because yeah. churches that can't because churches that don't have real supernatural encounter will always only try to manufacture an emotional, emotional response, response. Yes. 100% well, well that's yeah. why I call it cheerleading Christian cheerleaders right. it's right. just I'm trying to just rah 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 I want to walk into a church. I don't. I couldn't give a damn about singing any of that. Great. If, if that's how you're close to the Lord, don't guilt me for not having my freaking hands up in the air. Well, I'm, I'm really concerned. You know. went to a church that played guitars because God don't like guitars. That's true. You're I going mean, to hell. Going the to only hell. music is played on a piano. And that's anything true. other than that, organ. Well, well, you yeah. can get some organs well, in well, there. I, I have offended yeah. people by saying, you know, church hymnals, the, the hymn music. Mm-hmm. I hate it. Mm-hmm. I'd rather have a mouthful of hornets. And be kicked in the balls for ten minutes. Well, also, <laughs> then listen to yeah. "Are You Washed in the Blood of the Lamb?" Yeah, also, I just fucking kill me. From, okay, from a, from a praying perspective, if I don't know you, Karen and Carl, I don't want you praying for me. I don't know no, your relationship. No, I'm not going to hold God. your hand, Carl. And uh, well, I don't know your relationship with God in your it, position. I, no, I, I want I want to go in there, and if a few people want to walk up to me before or after the service and say, "Hey, welcome. My name is Chad. Nice to meet you." I'm going to say, "Thank you, Chad. My name is Rob. Thank you for saying hello. Nice to meet you." That's as far as I want to go yeah. on day 1, yeah. okay? I want to hear a brilliant so, pastor teach me. So you me don't something. want to get to third base on day 1 in church. No, I don't want I don't want to, you know, I don't want to put my hand in in, in Carl's pocket, okay? <laughs> I've never that's, thought about that. That's but. Uncle Carl. <laughs> 
Carl first is the base. kid's pastor that, here. Now, hey, now that's, now that's where the withers and butterscotches are. First pew. If you get the yeah, you get. Oh, yeah. I haven't been back since. You know, I would rather sit early in the morning and, and pick through my Bible yeah. or pull up somebody that I think is brilliant on YouTube and watch 20 minutes of that and I'm good. Yeah. This to me, well, I'm getting more uh, yeah. out of this yeah. than I've gotten from a church pew in 30 years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And, and that's the... This what I'm saying. This what what said. We are single handedly fixing churches. I hope every pastor in America is listening. To this. <laughs> I don't think they are. It, 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 was, it, it was funny. It's like even like the school I went to. Like we would have conversations like this all the time to where it church would be like, well, where you'd have students that would say, "Well, man, this is what's wrong with the church," and then you get hit with the hard question of, "Okay, well, what are you going to do to fix it?" Yeah, exactly. You know, and it's a you're naming off all these really harsh things oh, about but, it. It is, dude. You ask me a question like that, I'm gonna fix. It. I'm gonna say, "Well, first of all, we're getting rid of all this crap, and right. we're just gonna." Boil this down to a well. My dad was far from perfect, mm-hmm. you know. He and he would say, "I'm a flawed man." I mean, he, not a great relationship between he now. We finally figured it out. Pastor of a church went to Fruitland Bible Institute. Came out of that with very formulaic, and finally he got to the point. He's like, "This is a bunch of bullshit," and he's like, "So sort of like Matt was describing earlier." He'd get up on a Sunday. He might have prepared a message, and he'd go. The Lord's driving me right now just to read this chapter to you, and then we're going home. Mm-hmm. And he just read a chapter and go, go home now. We're not singing. We're not doing anything. I felt led that somebody here needed to hear this. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't about a, an altar call. Now go home and love or, your wife and love your kids. Yeah, get, go. Get out of here. You know, it was that kind of thing. And that's what I loved about it. I'm just looking for the What's whipped that? cream toe-sucking thing I'm supposed to do. Oh, I know. Yeah, yeah. That's what you said, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you seen the movie Nine and a Half Weeks with Mickey Rourke and Kim Basinger? Yeah, it's hard not to. The refrigerator sex Mm, scene? That's all I'm seeing in my head. That's all I'm seeing. (laughs) But you're picturing me and Sid? That's wrong. Maybe we should Zoom. (laughs) Evidently. Evidently. Put it on on OnlyFans. Well, that's the COVID swinging now. All I can think about is Houston's wide-ass legs. (laughs) Yeah. You can't tell the difference between the whipped cream and the leg. All I see now is Houston on the decline bench. (laughs) Toes up. Hey. Wait a minute. Having his feet held down by the dumbbells. Hmm. I might need one of those at the house. You got a key, right? (laughs) Yeah, to the gym. Uh, yeah, I mean, but yeah. Just, just, just has a clean key. up. Just clean up. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't have a key. You don't have a key. Uh, what the <laughs> heck? What's going on? Well, we haven't been through the ritual yet. <laughs> Man, I'm leaving. I'm, did, I'm, I'm out of here. All right. Did, did you bring the chicken? You have to sacrifice. <laughs> get the paddle. Yep. And the spigot and <laughs> and, and the, get the hot whatever it was. The, the, chick, the chicken feet and the hot whistle pig, and we'll We're get good. started. Yep. <laughs> Man. They're over here. They got keys to the building. I, I got friendship. Get out of here. I want a key to the building. I'll get you a key. Yes. It doesn't open the door. It's just a key. Yeah, it it's, just, it's just like it's like one of those Disneyland. It doesn't keys. do anything. Like, like he's just got a drawer of old keys. Yeah. He just walks in here. And try this. This key opens up somebody's PO box somewhere. I don't, I don't know, know where, where. <laughs> but it's a key. I got Man. the one that's shaped like for a vending machine. I don't know which one it goes to. But. Now I know where I sit. Does Matt have a key? No, he does oh, not have a key. Oh, okay. Good. And, when er- <laughs> and ever since he came in with flowered shorts on, he will never have a key. <laughs> oh, I was sweating. I thought I lost my job there. I was like, dang. And then, and then he said the flowered shorts threw it off. So. Well, I'm, I'm starting to wonder if he wore the shorts so he didn't get the job. Oh, he, <laughs> you know, uh, you can self-sabotage. If you, if you walk in with flowered shorts and Kahlua, 
Yeah. <laughs> you don't stand a chance. If he'd come in in cargo shorts and a bottle of Dickel, Matt, he would have been in. Matt just wanted to maintain. I'm sorry, thing. a bottle of what? George Dickel. George Dickel. Is that a thing? Yeah. Or you are, you are fired. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so I'm thinking Matt intentionally sabotaged himself because he didn't want the job. <laughs> yeah, he had to show up for the interview in order to keep getting his unemployment check. <laughs> He's got to at least show up for the interview. <laughs> Well, okay. How far are we into this shit show? Uh, can you believe it's only an hour and 14 minutes? <laughs> I thought it was like four o'clock. It's like, yeah. it's only one. Rob's been sitting oh. over here like, I'm tired of hearing about well, the jerk. I've got, I've got a one thirty call with some crazy people. Well, is there so anything? I've got about I mean, 10 minutes. Well, I'm, my whole, no, I'm happy because my whole thing was let's get Caleb caught back up. He's yep. been out for a few weeks and that was good stuff. And I got to vent about the church and there's a lot of problems with it. And I, I think that was good to vent a little bit. And, Houston gave us all homework, which should be really exciting. Mm. So we're going to need people in the Facebook group to start asking a few more questions. All right, because yeah. honestly, we're running out but, of content. I mean, I had a great question last week, and Sid tried to answer it, and then Houston buttered in and took she it all. She asked me to well, take the reins. You gotta I, I understand who I am. I heard. Am I right, honey? I heard. Be quiet, woman. Let me speak. <laughs> is what I heard. <clears throat> Just saying. So the question was, okay, um, when I was in Savannah two weeks ago. When Matt was trying to steal my job, obviously. Yeah. So when I was in, when I was down there in Atlanta, I was um, or in Savannah, I'm, I'm watching TV and it says um, we're in the hotel and it says like, click here for historic. You know, the first ten channels is like you know, just junk, and it, it was like historic data, and I was like, okay, what's well, gonna be something historic about um, Savannah? It was not. It was dinosaurs and it was saying that the Appalachian <laughs> yeah I was like they all come from Savannah yeah, yeah my wife's in the shower and she comes in and she's like what are you watching and I was like I don't even know but I'm like intrigued Little so did you know that Jurassic Park was based in Savannah <laughs> Georgia <laughs> so it's like some of the Appalachian Mountains and how like you know they're 14 trillion years old whatever and, and like everything mm-hmm. that's washed off the mountains down now become Florida and Georgia and stuff and all that so I was like okay and they're saying somewhere in like the the corner of Alabama is where like all these fossils are found because that part didn't get covered up. And I'm like, okay, so they're saying they found these dinosaur bones that are, you know, 1.4 million years old or whatever. And I'm like, okay, so I've heard people say, I've heard sermons where preachers have said, okay, the world's not as old as you think it is. This 1.4 million. Now I'm serious. I don't laugh. I'm telling you, I'm telling you. So I'm like, okay, so it's like, oh, it's more like, I think Rob's up. 6,000 6, years. 6,000, yeah. yeah. Um, and, and the whole pressurized, you know, and the way the Earth's core is and is, you know, pushing the fo- fossils. And, and, and when they try to carbon date things, you know, it's really not that old. So mm-hmm. my question was, for Sid, because she's sitting in your seat, how old is the Earth? I'm curious to hear what before I say anything. What was Sid's response? You'll have to listen to last week's yeah, episode. I, I so here, I didn't get to listen. So here's what we'll do: yet. you answer, and then we'll compare them. Okay. So my answer to that would be that um, yeah, twelve, who, who 12 knows, days. My, my answer would be yeah. Who knows how old the the world is? Number one, it says in Genesis that in the beginning was the Word, the Word was God, and the Word was with God. But it says that the Spirit moved over the waters of the earth, and that the earth was void and without form. So there's something there that he has placed. That he, It says that when he made the heavens and the earth, the earth is there. And who knows what that time period was of the earth being void. There's waters on it. So what does void? Void doesn't mean it's just some whatever. Because there was obviously water there. It right. says that the spirits moved over the waters. Okay. So there's this long... <laughs> the world could be 17 gajillion years old. I don't know. 
And right. so that's the thing is that pastors that say that eh, 6,000, I'm like, brother, you don't know what that time period was like in Genesis. My favorite explanation I heard from some quack is, well, God made the earth with the illusion of age. He, illusion? The illusion of age. I think age. Restoration Hardware does that with their furniture. <laughs> Well, I, I, you know, I don't, ju- ju- I don't just, think just, God tries to purposefully confuse people. No, <laughs> and, and just just so everybody understands, I I am an old Earth creationist, one hundred percent, and God Himself is going to have to tell me different. I I mean, I I think there is so much at just simple fossil evidence that tells us that it's been around longer than six thousand. I think I said last week that. I usually make the joke, yeah, well, 6,000 years ago, the Sumerians invented glue. Yeah. I don't think that's just when the earth was forming, and I don't think it's seven right. literal that's what I'm saying. 6,000 years ago is like when history started, so I don't think the earth was... Well, that's, yeah. that's what I'm saying, but I mean, so, I mean, it was one of the things where I was like... Matt, I'm going to abstain because i got to run, so you can have my mic. Come over oh, here. Yeah, let's, let's hear what Matt we need to hear say Matt. about this. If he says it's 6,000 years old, he's definitely not getting a job. <laughs> and he's entitled to that opinion, and I'll respect it. I expect to be thrown under the bus in the next 30 Thank God he's gone. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Okay. If your key doesn't work, you know you've been replaced. Oh. <laughs> he doesn't have enough money to change the locks. Don't listen to it. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Nancy went to Home Goods. I'm broke. <laughs> she was at Hobby Lobby again. Dang it. <laughs> Damn you, Hobby Lobby. <laughs> and your affordable, clever home accessories. <laughs> Accessorizing. I didn't know that Hobby Lobby was Christian-owned until recently. Yeah. It, I didn't know it was... it Because I went on a Sunday, and it was closed, and I said, what in the Chick-fil-A is happening here? <laughs> I was like, I just need to pick up a basket to hold some towels mm-hmm. in, and now I can't even get my stinking baskets. I had to go to Walmart. Yep, they are a Christian... Uh, what was it that went down where they were being fined every single day? The uh, Obamacare mandate. Yeah, yeah. They were being fined every single day because they refused to go along with that because of their Christian views, their Christian beliefs. So, yeah, definitely. So, anyway, the earth is not 6,000 years old in in my belief system, but if somebody else believes that, that's fine. I guess we're all done here. Everybody have a good weekend. <laughs> Everybody's got their phone out. What, um, I'm going to ask Google how, how old the earth is, and that's going to be my answer. <laughs> well, no, I, I mean, so just quoting Genesis, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, that's, there's time. Right. God created the heavens, there's space, and he created the earth. Matter. He created time, space, and matter all in one moment. Then it says, the earth was formless and void. And darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. God said, let there be light, and there was light. God saw the light was good. God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, the darkness night. And there was evening, and there was morning. One day. Then God said, let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters. And so, yada, yada. It's the the seven-day creation story, right? Right, I mean... And so, at the same time, is that, man, there's... (laughs) What... What is the verse? It's, you know, a thousand years is like a day to the to the right. Lord, you know, or, or something. And it, and so God is so outside of time. I mean, is was it was his creation that there's an argument that's been amongst scholars for years is was it actually seven days? Was it a given seven days for us to understand it was, you know, so could have been, it could have been 100% just seven days, but at the same time of what was the time period of, I mean, God, God's an infinite being. He's been around for forever. 
So, how old the Earth is? I'm not. In my opinion, it's not just six thousand years old. I think it's I mentioned long. also last week, and there's a there's a gentleman who I, I highly respect. His name's Hugh Ross. He's an astrophysicist mm-hmm. and worked for NASA. This brilliant guy, and he used to be a staunch atheist, and then converted and became a Christian, and now even has a ministry called Reasons to Believe, an apologetic apologetics ministry. Yeah. You, you'd yeah. love the guy, but. He is so brilliant because he's one of these people that is so smart, he's almost uncomfortable. He's just so mm-hmm. brilliant. He's not, not real dynamic. Mm-hmm. Kind of like me? Yeah, just like you. And he has, <laughs> Jason's a smart guy, no. He, has, he does some great lectures on YouTube where he will, he will, he will debate atheists, but he always does right. it in such a classy way. But he, th- there's a, a movie that he made called... Um, Oh shit! I forget the name of it. It's called Oh Shit. I mean, that's a weird name yeah. for a movie. When God created the earth, um, uh, uh, I'll, I'll remember it in a second. But but he made this movie where um, he starts talking about, and, and it related to a lot of people in the scientific community because when you look through a super high powered telescope, mm-hmm. whatever you're looking at, you're seeing it as it was then. Then, right. and it's all bringing it forward. And he can use math and calculations, and, and in his mind, he calls it simple, almost elementary, where he can take you all the way back to the moment that God spoke the universe into existence. And he calls that the Big Bang. He said, to me, the Big Bang is when God spoke and everything started moving forward at right. an outrageously accelerated pace and that was the creation event so that then you can literally that, go back and look at it mm-hmm. in, in the right in the right telescope right so scientists yeah can literally look at where the universe is expanding and how it's still moving out even now from the very beginning of creation from where from it's where it's called going. journey towards creation it's probably on youtube and, and so in the same way i've heard i've heard a lot of people speak on that i have nothing against that theory that Imagine a God who's creating everything at one time, like time, space, and matter, and what kind of reaction to us that would cause. It would be like a Big Bang. Right. For sure. When God spoke, I mean, imagine the power of him speaking the entire universe into existence. Right. And Hugh Ross, his conversion experience was reading the Bible for the first time, simply walking through Genesis. Mm -hmm. And because he had always come from a science and astronomy background, Mm -hmm. he had never been witness to, he was never, never went to church. He just said in his mind, the way he was a trained scientist, he immediately, without question, to him, Genesis spoke to him as a long creation event. Mm -hmm. And And that's even, I mean, you look at so many, what's funny is, is so many people in Christian communities, especially charismatic, they're like against science. Dude, science is one of the greatest assets to God's creation. Like as far as it, it complements so many things that the Lord has done. And it's even Albert Einstein, Albert Einstein was, was an atheist. And then when he started research, when, when he created the theory of relativity, he came to the Lord because he said, this has to be from a being outside of ourselves that put all this into place because everything and how it's placed, we can't just live in a world that's that perfect, yeah, that right. everything fell. Somebody had to orchestrate it. Yeah. And, and that's how Einstein came into being a believer. And people called him crazy in the science yeah. community. He said, you haven't seen the numbers that I've well, seen. There's you, no you, way. You can't prove God and you can't prove that there is no God. But in my opinion, the burden of proof is on the atheist. And mm-hmm. it's for one simple thing. Well, it's actually two things. Number one, if you talk to an atheist and it's all about science, it's all about what they can see and touch and feel and taste, 
everything in their world was created by something. Mm -hmm. The computers they work on, the equipment they use in science, everything that they espouse to be such brilliant things that came from man were all created. Mm -hmm. And the you know, and then except for everything was you know came from nothing. Mm -hmm. it, it wasn't there wasn't a creator, which makes no sense in itself. And then there was this, and you may have heard this. There was this great apologi apologist. Is that what it's called? Mm -hmm. Who uh, he he said uh, it was one of his books. It was one of those atheist uh, versus creationist books where he said, and he walked through the math. It was legitimate math, right? Um, way over my head. But he said to. It, the likelihood of everything in this world happening by random chance, the the uh, the mathematical what he says was, in science, there is one science that is absolute, and that's mathematics. Two plus two will always be four. Mm -hmm. That's the way he explained it. He said, when you prove a mathematical theory, it can only have one answer, mm -hmm. and if you do it again, it'll still have that one answer. He said so when he went through it through mathematics. He created the odds of everything happening from nothing. Mm -hmm. And he said, it is such an astronomical number, it's one to the something, 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 something power. Oh, yeah, it's something insane. So what yeah. he did was he said, J just to break this down into layman's terms, let me give you the odds in terms of just a, a metaphor. He said, it's the same odds as if you took a German shepherd and threw it into a huge junkyard, and that German shepherd on its own accord, create a fully functioning and workable Boeing 747. <laughs> oh, yeah. That, he said that's about the same odds <laughs> right. as all of this coming that, from nothing. And, and that's why I tell people all the time. I, 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 tell, I tell people that are like, I tell people, I say, I, you, what you're telling me when you're saying that everything came from nothing, here's an even, that's even, here, here's where that, even that example is flawed. There, you're starting with the German Shepherd and exactly. Parts. That's yeah. what he even said. He you're said starting with parts. and he said they're they're talking about the nothing. If something is forming in some primordial ooze, there was the ooze. Mm -hmm. The ooze was resting in a body of Earth. Mm -hmm. The Earth, there's land at somewhere. Even mm -hmm. if it's an asteroid, that asteroid is a physical thing in a universe in space right. that has certain laws of physics that govern it. Mm -hmm. Had to be created. Mm -hmm. It can't just happen on its own. So now, now I, I will grant them this. Maybe it's aliens. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's some other culture. Maybe we're living in a matrix. But I'm, let's at least agree something smarter than us had to make it. Right. Something doesn't come from nothing. It, not, something never comes from nothing. And, right. Unless that, that something, which is what God is, is an infinite in itself. And, is the, and we can't comprehend that. And we can't that. comprehend the infinite because there's nothing that is an infinite. You cannot understand that. And so... And so um, in it, again, that's confusion of categories because we can't, when we try to compare God with other things, we literally have already failed because we have no infinite to compare with his infiniteness. So we can't compare it. But yeah, that's the exact, um, I, that, that is a good argument. It's like, yeah, throw a German shepherd into a junkyard and yeah, have him build a whole functional airplane. See how, see how impossible that is. Now you're telling me that if I had no German Shepherd and no junkyard, <laughs> but I'm going to tell you a German Shepherd's going to And unless I didn't get the memo, unless I didn't get the memo, I also read that this little spark of life, the proteins that, that came together to create life, has never been duplicated in a laboratory. Ever. No, we've never been able to. But it happened on its own. It just two proteins came together in, in some pond in some scum, in some ooze, 
and created life. Yet, yet these brilliant scientists of today, with all we know, can't re- they can't recreate it. No, I mean they can clone a sheep, but they have to take every single genetic like extreme to make sure that life actually happens. Because I mean. Who even knows if this thing's gonna live when we make it in this lab? Or and how many else? messed up, freaking crazy sheep came out of that experiment before they got one right? <laughs> right. <It's>, so <laughs> there's some bunker somewhere with all these evil, satanic, freaking, sheep. you know, devil sheep somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> some devil sheep. So, so my brother, uh, my brother is literally an astrophysicist. Um, he uh, well, got of, his well, of course P- he is. PhD from uh, astronomy uh, in uh, University of Chicago. He also has another PhD in organization management. Very, very smart guy, and he's very analytical. Um, and I ask him that a lot of time, what you just said. So, where did everything start? You know, you have a law in physics, Russell, mm-hmm. yeah. that says matter cannot be created nor destroyed. Where, where did it come from? Yeah, that is your law Bam. that you go for. And and he even said that in 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 physics and in astrophysics, they have something that's called a God variable. How can you have a freaking God variable <laughs> in the science of physics? Seriously, if you, don't, if you don't believe in God, but there's the God variable. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and my, my thing with with atheists, like like the hardcore people that that you know that they base their whole life on it, and it's just to be right. But I have read some. I haven't read entire books. I'm not going to lie, but I have read excerpts and watched videos of it always interests me to hear the atheist argument. Mm -hmm. And I have watched some brilliant, you know, PhD professors who are atheists say brilliant things. But one thing that they all have in common is they weren't cocky about it. And all of them, all of them admitted, I can't rule out a God. Right. right. Well, he, yeah. so here's the thing. They, they, that, they were humble about it. They were like, I don't believe there's a God, but I can't rule it out because I can't prove that there's not and I can't prove that there is. Right. In the same way that I can't rule out aliens in the same way. You know, it's right. that, because here, here's the thing. And here's what people don't realize. And, and this is math and science is that me being across the table from you, you cannot 100% prove to me that you exist right now. Mm-mm. And that might sound crazy to somebody, but statistically, mathematically, scientifically, you cannot prove to someone else that you even exist because you can be a figment of their imagination. They can be in a dream and you can punch them in the face and it can hurt. Have you, you can seen say, Have you seen A Beautiful Mind? Have you, you seen that movie? I'm just saying, and you can say, am I real now? Well, yeah, I felt that. But there is never a 100%. All you have a 100% knowledge of is that you yourself are there that you that you that you you think right that that i can that i have my own thoughts i have no my own existence but everything else there is no there's no such thing besides in mathematics knowing that two plus two is going to always equal four and outside of god himself that it's always he is always an absolute there's nothing else that we have absolutes in right besides god and and things that we know like two plus two is always going to be four right everything else outside of that is a there's always a even if it's point zero 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 whatever. There's a percentage that it's not absolute. That it's not. So in the same way, when somebody says, "Well, give me one hundred percent certainty that God exists," well, give me one hundred percent certainty that you exist. Mm-hmm. Punch me in the face. That didn't tell me anything. I have a friend who's who's a, a brilliant guy, and he truly, in his heart of hearts his heart and soul believes we were created by aliens mm-hmm. and i don't mean like little green men i mean he has a theory and the funny thing is is he actually played me a video of a harvard professor mm-hmm. who is who's now no longer with us he died a few years back 
walking through a lecture uh, with academics explaining how we came from aliens. And it's brilliant. Mm -hmm. It really is. Doesn't make me believe we came from aliens. But here's what it does, what it made him believe, and where I think a lot of atheists should watch it. In, in my mind and in his mind, it 100% proves that evolution is total bullshit. Mm. And even this Harvard professor who believes we came from aliens said, you know, I believe we came from aliens. I can't prove it 100%. He said, but I can tell you this. We either came from aliens or some sort of a superior godlike being, but we absolutely did not just happen by random chance, and we did not evolve from monkeys. Right. And he and, walks you through it brilliantly. And most, a lot of atheists are even. What's funny is, is that evolution became so like primary in school systems and everything, and a lot of prominent even atheist scientists, scholars, different things like that, they're falling away from evolution because they're like looking at it and they're like, man, a lot of this math is botched. It's oh, full yeah. of holes. And, and <laughs> some things have been, there was a peppered it's moth. It's called the science of the gaps for a reason. They literally yes. filled in gaps. There was, there, was a pep, there was a peppered moth that they always used that turned out to be a hoax. Mm-hmm. It was manufactured. There was a thing that they called the Piltdown Man, which is a certain skull that they used to parade around in the textbooks, mm-hmm. proven to be a hoax. And the other thing is they always talk about the missing link, which had to bring the two together. It's never been found ever to this day. Still haven't found the missing link that we still can't link the apes to home, you know, homo sapiens or human beings, normal people. That's it's because n- Bigfoot's hiding that guy. He's, he's hiding is that, that what guy. it is? Yeah, he, yeah. Bigfoot's, Bigfoot's got Bigfoot it. is the missing. <laughs> you know, and he's out there. I know those Sasquatches are out there. But it's you know that is just more university indoctrination. Mm-hmm. You know, it's there's so many holes in the evolutionary theory. Mm-hmm. And even if you read Darwin, I mean, some of it, yeah, he was obviously a brilliant man, but there's also elements of the Darwinian theory that almost are kind of silly and really antiquated. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was a long time ago, and you can't prove everything that he claims to have proven just by hanging out on an island and observing some freaking turtles. Right. You know, there's so many holes in it, and a lot of the things were manufactured to push this lie in, in academia. What, what is interesting is is that there was a study done by Harvard, and you can look this up, of and Duke University also did this study, where they looked into children who had been abandoned, uh, like almost like feral children, like different things like that, uh, you know, in woods, different things raised themselves type deal. And a study was done that was agreed by Duke and Harvard University that if you were to take a cruise ship of children and wreck it onto an abandoned island, those children would automatically believe in God without ever being told about it. And they said, because something about the human nature believes that there's something bigger. Why is that just in us then? Okay, okay, here's the the devil's advocate on that, okay? So is it man's need to feel important, or is it man's need to feel like there's somebody important enough to create him well no i think that it's a it's an inherent i don't think that it's either of those necessarily i think that it's an inherent desire that's been placed in us by god to want to serve him inherently in our nature that he's placed within us that there's something that is greater than us that that to me that's a submissive thing to say that i'm lower than something else that i'm not the top of the food chain here that there's something greater than me but i mean the flip side of that is something cared enough to create me 
Well, I mean, at the same time, there's there's all kinds of religions that had believe in creation, like Hinduism, different things like that. Even though the matter was eternal, there was still the creation with things and different stuff. But and their deities care nothing about them, see mm-hmm. them as trash. Okay. So not necessarily. I I don't think that those two are linked. It could be in some way, but I just see other religions that don't even see that in the same way like hinduism for example mm-hmm. so where the, you had the whole caste system and it's a whole you know yeah. you, you got the bottom of the food chain people <laughs> and stuff so it's it's just interesting that even as liberal as you know harvard university and things like that would be after that study and feral children and different things they came to the conclusion of yeah if you if you shipwreck some kids they would inherently believe in in god what what that looks like we have no idea right. but we, what we've seen from feral children different things like that they all believe in some greater power that they would wind up like some cultures do they, they if they're on this deserted island because of the power of the sun and its life-giving benefits they may choose to think that the sun is god mm-hmm. or that you know there's some mystical it could be anything right 100%. but but they're not going to just automatically believe that all of this came from nothing is that the point you're trying right. to make right yeah yes. that's, that, that's the point is that they're not just going to believe that oh well this is we just came from you know nothing yeah academia is is where that notion came from i think more than anything you know the the ability to say to have that pious you know you know brilliant humanistic kind of thing that uh, i think has become kind of a cancer in, in our culture but we are deep into this, and so what am I going to name this episode? Um, that's that's your job. <laughs> I don't ever have to think about this one because there's no way I could come up with everything. I would just put if it was me, I'd be here's another episode, whatever you want to call it. Episode ten. <laughs> episode ten. We hit double digits, baby. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we're we're past our hour and twenty mark, and we've already bled into bonus time, so um, we're gonna have to cut it because I got work to do. And I've got a whipped cream toe-sucking party tonight. <laughs> At the church. <laughs> At the church. At the church. <laughs> I got Bible study. <laughs> hey, honey. I mean, I'm at Houston is some, some freaky shit. I'm supposed to say, right? I think. Houston was saying some stuff that hey, was don't, making me Don't judge. <laughs> don't judge. Oh, I'm not judging. He's, he's a good dude, man. I'm just saying All I know like, is that he's coming back in here to that decline bench. And he's... <laughs> He's strapping his feet back down. <laughs> All I'm saying I'm is, on my way to Best Buy to get a camera. So, uh, yeah. well, wear your mask. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> All right. Well, we're, we're going to call it and get out of here and get on with our lives. Thanks for tuning in. If you made it through this one, you'll never, never have to pu- prove your loyalty in any other fashion. <laughs> Thanks again, everybody. And we'll be back probably next week if everybody shows up to do episode 11 of oh. the Navigating Dystopia podcast. Everybody have a great weekend. Peace. Later. <laughs>